This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning, guys. Uh, this is uh, Mike Wilson com- coming to you from the Naz and Wally show. This is Wally. Uh, I'm uh, known as the Ultimate Leafs fan. I've I joined at Naz and Wally a few times for the show in the past. And today I have the honor of working with uh, my good friend now, Naz. Naz, Good welcome. morning. Good morning, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great. And along with us today, we have a couple of distinguished guests, the voice of the Toronto Argonauts and also a Philadelphia Eagles fan. So I'm sure we're going to have a few <laughs> things to talk about today. Ex, uh, you know, Mike Hogan. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you for inviting me. Great to have you. And also joining us today to round out this uh, awesome roundtable is ex-NHLer Lou Franceschetti, who happens to be an Alabama fan. So I had to listen to that for five minutes. So thank you. <laughs> So thank goodness we're on the air now. But anyway, guys, I thought, and joining us later on uh, is another good friend of ours, is Lance Hornby. We'll talk about the Leafs, and nothing uh, makes that better than, uh, obviously, a nice win last night. So we'll get to that in just a few moments. But in the meantime, one of the topics we'll be discussing was the big news this week is what's happened with the Toronto Argonauts. Mike? Yeah, uh, changes in the front office, changes with ownership, as MLSE officially uh, was given the green light by the CFL to to buy the team. And when that happened, Bill Manning, who was the president of TFC, uh, got the dual portfolio and is now the president of the Argos as well with uh, Mike Copeland and Sarah Moore, uh, part of the restructuring. They're going to stick around in different roles. So, yeah, change at the top. And, you know, it was such a good year on the field for the Argonauts, obviously winning the Great Cup, but off the field there were still struggles. And now we'll see what happens with uh, with, with new ownership, at least another component with Rogers coming in with MLSE. Mike, there's always been talk about uh, an NFL team coming to Toronto. Do you think that both of them could coexist? Uh, I I do. I know I'm in the minority in that, uh, but I think that they could coexist um, because I think you're going for a different demo. Uh, there are there are a lot of people up here, and I don't want to say it's a majority, but there are so many Argo fans who don't like the NFL. Um, I don't know if you would get the peripheral fans the way you do, and it would struggle. Uh, you'd fight obviously for entertain for uh, advertising dollars as well. So it would be problematic. I think there's a way to make it uh, done, especially with the ownership the way it is. But the Bills in Toronto series and the lack of interest in Toronto killed this market in the eyes of the NFL. Um, at the head office, I, I, I know this uh, for a fact, that the, um, the image of the city of Toronto as a potential NFL market was hurt almost uh, irreparably by what happened with the Bills in Toronto series. Yeah, but do you think that's really fair? Uh, you know, if you go back to those days when, the, when they were playing those games, those tickets were like $500. Yeah. You go to a Bills game for 100 bucks. 
I mean, they came and tried to just saturate this market. And they're, they're throwing exhibition games at you and charging you Super Bowl type yeah. prices. So, the, you know. but the exhibition game shouldn't have worked because they did overprice. Um, exactly. But the regular season games, they're not giving away the tickets in London, right? And you're seeing eighty thousand people there to see, and, and you know, when the Jags were bad, taking on Oakland, um, and they would they would sell it out, and they're getting multiple games a year, and they're selling it out. And when Seattle was here, that first year with Russell Wilson, where this team was so exciting. They had fewer than 40,000 people at, 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 at Rogers Center. But again, in fairness, you know, you're not an hour and a half away from an NFL stadium where you can drive down to any game you want Under, to get under, tickets. Understood. But at the same time, um, that's the view of Toronto in the NFL eyes. I'm not defending it at all, but I'm, and there are circumstances that explain why the attendance was low. But at the same time, you also had the entire Buffalo market who was unwilling to drive up to Toronto, and that told I think well, and that was cost. They're Absolutely not going to encourage cost. a team to come to. They're not going to support it. Yes. Encourage a team to come. Understood. To but in the eyes of the NFL, down on Park Avenue, they're going. Ugh. So, but the new ownership now, what are they going to do to turn this around? If I knew that, I would buy the team. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, no, is it, is it, no, I mean, there's some obvious things. I remember growing up, the Argos were everything because sure. at one time there was one of the Leafs and the Argos. Yes, absolutely. But the point was that Argos used to play Wednesday nights their home games. Mm-hmm. And Wednesday night, it was a ritual to go downtown and, and see those games. At last, last, week, the, last week, the season, the schedule was great. Um, they did so many um, Saturday 4 o'clock games. And the, the fan base really seemed to like it. I think this year, there's a Monday game and a Friday game and everything else is on Saturdays. And there's there's what you need. And this has been a major complaint about the Toronto Argonauts for the last umpteen years. And it's a legitimate concern. But now you know game day is going to be on Saturday. Might be 7, might be 4, but you know it's going to be on uh, on a Saturday. Mike, are you saying that uh, with MLSC jumping on board and getting their brand, the NFL is really going to seriously take a look at somewhere down the road, maybe within the 5 to 10 year range, that, uh, that the NFL will come to Toronto uh, and with the Argos surviving also? I think, I think it's dead right now. Honestly, I think that the, the dreams of the NFL and of NFL fans getting a team here in Toronto are dead. Um, can they be resuscitated? I don't know. Um, but right now, I, I just don't see it happening. If you had have asked me 10 years ago, is the NFL going to come to Toronto? I would have said, yeah, it's fait accompli. It's going to happen. Now, just from what I've been told from people within the NFL, uh, it's not going to happen. Not even with the MLSC uh, coming on board, having a, a stable ownership. We know that one of the major things with the Argos has been the instability of the ownership. But now you got LMLSC. They won't sell got, to a corporation, though. They will sell to an individual owner. That's well, how the NFL have. works. So, so unless it would be Tannenbaum as a front man, and he'd have to buy, I don't know what the what the percentage would be, uh, he would have to be the majority owner. And yeah. that's that's not the MLSC model. Mike, why did Rogers come back into it? They didn't have any interest before, and now they're back into it I with MLC. I have no MLC. idea. It doesn't make any sense. I, the only thing that I can think of is they see this as a, a potential, that they see some area of growth there. Um, let's face it, if you were to listen to uh, a, a sportscast on TSN or a sportscast on The Fan, uh, you would hear two different sportscasts involving the Argonauts. Um, one would be much higher. If you listen to the two radio stations, there's obviously more emphasis from one station than the other because Bell was part owner of the Toronto Argonauts and also owned TSN, and there's a major investment on the television side, obviously. Um, with Rogers, they didn't have the radio rights. They didn't have the television rights. They ex- essentially ignored the Toronto Argonauts. So from the Argo perspective, they'll get a lot more publicity this year. 
And obviously, Rogers must think that there's room for growth, that they see what, what's happening at BMO, that there's a good vibe there, that they can invest now and get a bang for their buck in terms of, uh, of something happening in terms of, of making some money. So, you know, Rogers is not a dumb corporation. They're not going to throw away money. Um, well, maybe they-, they see also getting a CFL game or two in the new contract, maybe a one game a week on Rogers. I, I, I don't know. Well, I think what it brings to the, the organization is the stability. Yes. And the fan then can associate themselves knowing that, you know, this team is going to be around. And with mm-hmm. Rogers to make that type of commitment and put their name on the brand, yeah. it is obviously going to carry It's, it's really good for the Argos. It re- there's, I don't see a negative at all about this happening. Okay, guys, it's, it's uh, flying along here just uh, on, on great moments and great topics. We could go on about this for a while, but we're going to take a short break and we're going to come back with Lance. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced that you can get a three-topping party pizza with 24 slices for just $24. It's perfect for large groups on a budget, like staff meetings, sports teams, or special ops units. Go, 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 go! Everybody down! So before you break down any doors, get a three-topping party pizza with 24 square slices for just $24. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Welcome back, guys. It's Mike Wilson filling in for Wally today, and we just had a nice round discussion with uh, the Toronto Argonauts. And uh, the next topic, obviously, in this uh, city that is near and dear to everybody are the Toronto Maple Leafs. And joining us, and no better authority on that subject than our good friend and my good friend and uh, co-author in a book. i got to get a little seamless plug in there. Uh, Lance Hornby. Good morning, Lance. How you doing, guys? We're doing great today. So, Lance, uh, after last night, uh, was that just what the doctor ordered for the Leafs, obviously? Well, it's good to see, uh, you know, deeds back up words uh, for once. There's been a lot of talk in the last little while about... Uh, and picking it up and playing better in the third period uh, and in overtime. And, of course, you just had a series of, uh, of mistakes and letdowns and uh, all kinds of other uh, things going against them, shorthanded goals, uh, you know, missed power plays. 
you name it. But uh, to come back, uh, you know, on the road when you're, you know, had played a decent uh, first period, and certainly after uh, someone like Frederick Anderson had spoke up, and then uh, Patrick Marlowe between periods, that was a, a key win for the Leafs because this week doesn't get much better. Uh, Colorado's in tomorrow night; they're red hot. And then they have to try and uh, get a couple of uh, tough points in, in Dallas and Chicago before the All-Star break. So this was well-timed, especially considering it was uh, Ottawa, Hockey Day in Canada, all that kind of thing. Uh, good emotional uh, push for them to head into the last week before the break. Uh, doesn't it have more some substance that Patrick Marlowe is, was the guy to do it, not Anderson? Well, well you know what? It, it, the funny thing is, uh, is both of those uh, guys who spoke up, Anderson on Thursday and Marlowe, Yesterday, are uh, two of the quietest guys on the team. We have to turn our uh, the the volume on our microphones up anytime there's a scrum because those guys are very soft talkers. But uh, you know that's what a guy like uh, Marlowe was brought in for, in part to uh, you know to uh, pass on uh, or to uh, just to be somebody who's who's been through that before to tell people you know that uh, the world isn't ending if they lose four in a row, but neither should they get complacent uh, because they have a, a bulge in the standings uh, on the next playoff team. You know, to uh, to pick it up a bit, and uh, certainly uh, he spoke. And uh, as Austin Matthews and others said, when he speaks, people listen, and uh, it had the desired effect last night for sure. Lance, is it more? Um, I'm just trying to figure this Leaf team out. Uh, we know they're not as good as their record shows right now, and they're not as bad as uh, at the start of the year. The one thing I'm looking at: if teams figured out how to play them, and have the kids more or less. Start reading their press clippings a little bit because I'm not sure if the kids are really playing up to the standards that uh, that everybody has put these kids up. Well, you know what? If uh, you know, if, first of all, if they're reading their press clippings, that's great because we in the newspaper industry are uh, are trying to hang on here, and we uh, we need them to buy as many newspapers as they can. So if, if they're doing that, uh, that's in that's a plus first of all. But uh, yeah, Louis, I think your uh, your point is well taken. Uh, the second time around, you get to know, and I'm. Clubs, uh, you know, uh, as you know yourself, uh, pre scouting has uh, come such a long way. Uh, especially, you look at the way power plays and penalty killing are, uh, you know, with the exception of two or three great teams at the top and at the bottom. In the middle, almost everybody knows what everyone's going to do. It's it's quite predictable, and it comes down to bounces and all those kind of things. So you get, uh, you know, you figure out that okay, Mitch Marner is slippery, but this is what we have to do to stop him. Or you know, Austin Matthews is good uh, tight end. This is what we have to do. You know, and goaltending is is great uh, as well. And the thing with the Leafs is that they're they're changing things around too. They're trying to build a team that can uh, survive in playoffs, and that means some different ways to uh, to play different lines and. Uh, Right now, I guess that's one of the things that Mike Babcock is trying to put into them, and indeed, it's been sort of a uh, a battle of wills with some of these kids who had their way last year to play whatever way they wanted to try now and uh, lock it down and play better defensively. The big injury was Zaitsev, I think, because he took up so much time, and he was the uh, main guy on the penalty kill. And you look around the league, and uh, it's it's interesting how teams struggle when they miss their uh, one of their best defensemen. Hedman is missing in Tampa Bay, and they're struggling. You have Zaitsev is missing in Toronto, and they've been struggling. And uh, it seems to me that the D, the D is the hardest part to struggle without. Well, you know what? I would have agreed with you right up until last night. All of a sudden, no Morgan Riley, no Zaitsev, and uh, the play of the defense was like a footnote because they uh, were able to, you know, were able to uh, to fill in, push the right buttons. Travis Dermott, I think, uh, you know, without saying anything, he certainly, uh, you know, wanted to, to step up. This was his time to shine. He could sense that. He was pretty good. You know, uh, Connor Carrick, who's, uh, you know, who's 
one of the, the you know the nicest guys in the world and great in the media and great uh, in the dressing room. His play had not been up to snuff, and all of a sudden uh, he, I thought, had a really good game last night and winds up with the winning goal. Uh, you know, Jake Gardner is Jake Gardner, of course. I don't think we have to go anywhere there, but he had a uh, you know uh, outside of the uh, you know the the brain cramp that the entire penalty killing unit had on that short-handed goal. Uh, you know, had uh, had extra ice last night, and of course. Ron Hainsey, uh, knock on wood, yet to be uh, injured, yet to have any uh, big setback, he helps as well. So I think the, the irony last night, of course, was that they uh, were able to put together a good defensive uh, effort. Uh, looks like, however, you're not going to see Zaitsev until after the All-Star break, but it doesn't look like Morgan Riley's uh, too badly banged up. He'll probably come back before uh, the, the break itself sometime next week. Well, the thing about it people have to understand is that the National Hockey League right now is the, from a parity standpoint, is the best league in professional sports. You cannot lose a couple of games or you're, you're almost putting yourself you know, out of it. I mean, if you take a look at the other side of our division, the last place team has more points than the fourth place club on our side, and there's still 500 all these teams. So what I think the Leafs are finding out is that every game is, is almost a must game. The players are know these guys second time around. If you watch now, Matthews, is, the guys are hitting Matthews more after the whistle, so he's getting that extra shot in his shoulder, the head, or the bump. So they, they've got to, you know, adjust to the newfound fame, I guess they have, a, for lack of a better word to put it, and, and get around that. And last night, they did, they did find a way. But, you know, people have to understand that, you know, moving forward, it's not an easy task. I mean, you know, they got in the playoffs last year in the second last game of the year, and it, it could be a fight again. I know they got a nice little cushion right now, but, you know, they've got to realize that you just play, relax and just got to move forward and take every game as you can, and that's that's the approach you have to take. Well, to to your first point, I think uh, you you might maybe are seeing Matthews uh, get uh, pushed around a bit more, but uh, you know, not to the extent I thought it would. You know, I, I thought by the end of last year and certainly in playoff time, people would be laying on the lumber and doing some different things with them. So far, he survived, but I think it's also interesting that uh, Zach Hyman. You've seen him start pushing people around after a whistle too. I think that's part of it. Uh, he feels, you know, if Matt Martin can't be out on that line, he's going to have to do some of the uh, some of the extracurriculars. So uh, he's, I, I thought, been very effective there. And of course, Zach Hyman can score as well. I think he's uh, up to eight goals, just too shy of uh, of last year's. Uh, you know, in in terms of it being a grind night after night, again, that's what uh, Babcock has been on about the last little while, and that's why he's. Uh, you know, moving people around and trying to get them to be better defensively. If he doesn't get what he likes in that department, then he, you know, you see a Mitch Marner kick down to the fourth line or whatever. So that's what he's striving to do. Uh, you know, uh, but to your other point about how, how close it is, uh, you, you know, I, I can see Detroit or whomever moving up. But, uh, you know, right now it's hard for the Leafs, I guess, in the back of their minds to think, okay, we're, you know, we lost this game or we lost that game, but, you know, we still have a double-digit lead on Detroit, and we're either going to play Boston or Tampa Bay in the first round the way it's going right now. So, uh, you know, the closer it gets to uh, to February and March, some of that uh, complacency might set in. But, uh, you know, you've certainly seen up until last night what can happen if you get uh, too carried away and uh, too inattentive to business. Lance, uh, I know they got a couple of big games coming up with Colorado and two on the road in Chicago and Dallas. Uh, the game that I'm looking forward to is going to be another statement game uh, against Boston uh, the first week in February. I know they had a statement game a couple of weeks ago against Tampa, and I don't think anybody showed up to that, uh, and that's the team included. Um, 
Are, are they vying for that? Uh, I know you want to get that second spot uh, in the division or even try to catch Tampa that first, but is that how important that game's going to be against Boston? And uh, are they more or less, are they comfortable being in that second or third spot? Because I know they've pretty well owned Boston the last couple of years. Hmm. Well, uh, I think I'll go back to Mike's point about, uh, you know, uh, about being uh, a grind and, and not to take, uh, you know, not to take their, their big lead for granted. Uh, you know, three, four weeks ago, everybody had Boston counted out that they were going to go. And all of a sudden now, you know, Toronto goes on its slide and Boston has not only passed Toronto, but is now threatening uh, Tampa Bay. So, yes, certainly that is going to be somewhat of a statement game as they prepare for the Bruins. I guess the interesting thing will be that is also the Father's Day trip for the Maple Leafs when they usually... Uh, play well in the uh in that game or uh, i think that trip's extended to new york uh afterwards so i think when their dads are there that's an extra motivation for them and there'll be a couple of new players maybe with their with their fathers around so i think that's going to be uh not just a statement day but one they uh they don't want to disappoint their dads in for sure the, turn, the turnaround on colorado they're up next right lance uh yeah. bernier and that jonathan bernier and that and uh, the turnaround of colorado where did that come from because i didn't see it well, two words, Nathan McKinnon. I think he uh, suddenly is uh, he's hit uh, he's hit stride. They you know they made the Duchesne trade and uh, decided that they were going in another direction. Uh, goaltending has has factored in uh, as well. Uh, but if you would have told me they're going to go nine and zero or whatever it is, I'd be I'd be shocked. And uh, but at least the Leafs know that uh, they've. Uh, they know what they have uh, on their hands. They didn't play them that uh, long ago. Uh, it was just uh, during the New Year's break, I think. Uh, but I believe it was a back-to-back. I think Curtis McElhinney was in net. So, uh, you know, they, they certainly have that uh, defeat in mind. And I think uh, they're going to uh, be a bit more prepared than they would have, say, if they'd uh, done really well in the last few games. And uh, we're looking past Colorado to uh, Chicago and then Dallas and, of course, uh, another break in the schedule with the uh, All-Star game. Tyson Berry's also out for Colorado, isn't he? Pardon me? Is Tyson Berry still injured in Colorado? I can't say uh for certain, but they they wouldn't be the uh wouldn't be the you know, the first knock against them this year. I think that club has uh, come a very long way, uh injuries or not. Uh, you know, as I said, uh, McKinnon's done a heck of a job there and there's uh you know, he, he, they were been obviously flying under the radar and gone through some uh, big changes with their uh with their personnel and everything, and uh, I think uh, injuries or not, uh, they've they've made it work. And uh, good to see they got some great fans uh, in the Denver area, and they they've had it pretty hard the past few years. Um, Lance, I, I want to go back to this, uh, you know, Marlowe and uh, Anderson speaking out uh, for the Leafs, because I'm just now I'm, where I'm going with this is with uh, Coach Babcock, because you know Mike is a guy who's clearly in charge. Uh, the, the foot is on the gas pedal all the time, and you know he can be hard on players as it's been known. I know by his body language he was saying the right things that he liked them stepping up and saying that, but just look at the way his response was. Maybe Luke can chime in on this also, that he preferred if it had been behind closed doors as opposed to saying it in front of a microphone. You being there every day, what's the sense you get from uh, Mike? And, and where, where I'd like you to lead this is that moving forward, you just think he may just be, is he going to be just hard on these guys or just like realizing what the grind is as a store, just maybe give them a little bit of room? Well, grind, I guess, Mike, is the uh, the operative word here. It's games uh, 40 to 60, uh, you know, and Louis can certainly back you on that. It's the it's the dog days of the schedule right now. And I, I think uh, just looking back, I, I mean, games 40 to 60, who remembers them really? Uh, they were, you know, you, you talk about your hot start or how you finish heading to the playoffs so that you fell out of the race or whatever. But uh, 
time of year where you know it's travel with winter it's uh you know some teams uh are on the road a lot and and it is a grind and i think though that uh you know mike babcock by having a guy like marlo or hainsey around who've uh who've seen seen the wars and all that it doesn't have to be all on mike babcock although he's certainly seen uh a lot of it uh in detroit he he wanted to be a team that felt it was going to be in a playoff spot october november so they could gear the rest of the season with an eye towards playing in April, which at least obviously have not had uh, in in much abundance the past decade. As you mentioned, they only uh, wrapped up their spot last year in the in the final week. A little bit different this year. They know uh, they're probably going to be in the first round. They're almost at the point now where they know who they're going to play. So uh, you know, if, if he's if he's getting on them, I don't think it's uh, it's a bad thing. It's just to uh, to remind them it's all not uh, you know the bright lights at the Air Canada Centre on, on Saturday night with a sold out crowd. They're going to have to go and. Uh, battle their way through uh you know some some difficult teams who were uh you know as your all of you guys mentioned are going to make it hard on the lease and they're going to try and grind them down and know now a large to a large degree how they can stop uh a matthews or make life more difficult for him or marner or nylander or uh you know how to how to defend jvr on the power play so uh you know it's an interesting part of the year coming up and uh you know also punctuated a couple of breaks now they have some injuries i I really think uh, in regard to it being a statement game against Boston, I think it's going to be a statement uh, month for the uh, for the Maple Leafs heading into uh, February when uh, things start to open up a bit more and uh, you know get a few more home games in there. Lance, it's kind of funny that you say this word grind. I, in, in our era, there was no such thing as grind. You know, we had an hour and a half, two hour practices. We got in at three o'clock. We had to be at the rink at uh, twelve o'clock the next day. These guys got the leisure lifestyle. So I, I can't look at that in a certain extent, <laughs> that, that the word grind with these guys. They got 50-minute yeah. practices. They got, an, yeah. they got a mandatory day off every single week because of collective bargaining agreement. I think it's just Babcock putting the foot down, knowing that what it's going to take uh, to make it to that next level. Remember, Babcock had these teams in Detroit where he had these higher elite players that were playing up to the capabilities uh, of standards that uh, that made him the coach that he was. You're looking at Datsuk, Lidstrom, uh, Holstrom, uh, Franzen, uh, Zetterberg. He's trying to mold these players into those style of players that he had in Detroit. And right now, the kids are still young. They still don't get it. Because, uh, obviously, let's take a look at this, that... Teams have figured out how to play the Leafs. If you play them physical, if you lean on them, if you take their time and space away, you take their uh, th- three or four steps away at the beginning, they got a good chance of beating them. And right now, they have to fight through that themselves. They can't look at... I know Marlowe's been in the league 20 years almost. Uh, Anderson's a goal who's getting frustrated because he's kept them in the game into the third period and, and they've blown a couple of games. They've just got to look it upon themselves and guys, listen, we got to get this on ourselves. We, we can't spread this news out to the newspapers or have, have the fans feel sorry for us. We just got to go out and do it ourselves. Well, I think that, to, you know, to that point, uh, Lou, I mean, I don't disagree with you, but I mean, it, uh, at some point, the players have to be accountable for their actions. And these guys have played hockey a long time. They understand what it takes to win. And they understand, what, like, what a puck battle is and going into a corner and going after a puck. But on the other hand, you know, if somebody's really hard on you, and I, I would never compare Mike Babcock to Mike Keenan, but, you know, the old Keenan theory, you know, with the three-year life shelf, um, shelf life, you know, at some point, these players, you know, are going to be looking up thinking, if I go that extra bit, if I make a mistake, am I going to get sent down or to another line or am I going to get see less minutes? So what my, where I was going with this is, you know, at some point, you got to let these guys just play. 
You're, you're absolutely right. You just got to let him play. And you look at, you know, uh, Nazem Kadri is a prime example. You know, here's a guy that uh, at the start of the year was on a 40-goal pace, and all of a sudden now he's got one goal in his last 20 games, and you still see him put out there in the last minute of the game because he knows what Kadri's uh, or the confidence that he has in Kadri, Komarov, and whoever the right winger is on, on that line to put him out there in the last minute. And sometimes you're going to fail, but I've always been told, and I think Mike Hogan could say that, you learn from losing before you learn from winning. You have to learn how to lose first. And I think last year against the Caps, they learned that. And they're more or less, they're going to play this season out. And it's going to be interesting to see the last 30 or 40 games and in the playoffs on how this team reacts to them losing to the Washington Capitals last year in the first round. So in 30 seconds or less, Lance, that's right. We, we, we'd love to talk to you all day and go on about this, talking about our favorite subject here, the Toronto Maple Leafs. But uh, what do you see coming in the future for the Leafs in the next couple of weeks? I know it's a tough question, and I'm mm-hmm. asking you to be a Swami-like uh, projector here. Well, I think the big thing will be what they do with uh, the injury on defense. If uh, I, Again, I don't think Morgan Riley is going to be able more than uh, a game or so. But uh, again, the irony last night, uh, the defense... Uh, wasn't the story. I, I think it's not going to be the next week that's going to be the difference. It's going to be when Zaitsev comes back, if they're solid on defense, and what they do, I think, uh, trade-wise, uh, because that uh, that date is coming up faster than people think, five weeks away, and uh, whether or not uh, Lou Lamarillo likes what he has, or Travis Dermott uh, excels to the point where he can be a regular, then uh, I think uh, the next week's leading up to the trade deadline. That'll be what... Uh, what uh, the next milestone is for the Maple Leafs. Well, that's great. Well, listen, Lance, uh, thanks very much for joining us this morning. Um, you know, it's, it's always insightful as usual. And folks out there, read his column. He's one of the best journalists in Canada, and it's worth your while every morning to make the time to read it. So thanks again, Lance. Uh, and guys, we're going to take a short break here. We're going to be right back, and we're going to talk some NFL. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced the Pizzaville app. Order your Pizzaville favorites right on your cell phone. It's easy, fast, and unlike other apps, the Pizzaville app lets you order and pay for your food. OK, I've opened the app. Now I'm placing my order. Now I've paid for my order. Whoa! Download your free Pizzaville app today from the Apple App Store or Google Play. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. Bridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. 
Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. It's uh, Mike Wilson filling in for Wally today. Joining me with uh, Mike Hogan, Lou Francesetti, and of course the usual uh, winger uh, Naz. Uh, guys, uh, today is, uh, I guess, I don't know you want to call it Championship Sunday, but it's a big playoff Sunday in the NFL. A couple teams playing. I know there's one guy in particular who has a vested interest. So we'll start with that game. Of course, the Philadelphia Hogan. game. Hogan, yeah. Eagles. take it over for us. Long-suffering Eagles fan. Long-suffering. What's going to happen stupid. today? I have no idea. And that's what makes it great, right? It's a playoff game. One one odd play. Uh, just ask the New Orleans Saints if one play can determine a football game. Um, last week was an incredible weekend for football, and I, I see two really close games today, especially with Brady not being 100%. That just adds another level of intrigue. But I guess if we get to that game a little bit later, the Eagles game, I just the, the most intriguing storyline here is just the two quarterbacks who were teammates two years ago in St. Louis and midway through the season, Case Keenum replaces uh, Nick Foles. Both end up in Minnesota after another trade involving Sam Bradford from Philadelphia to Minnesota. He gets hurt. Like it's, There are so many subplots just with the quarterbacks. So there's that intrigue. And, man, if you had to put couple of hundred bucks in Vegas at the beginning of the season that Nick Foles and Case Keenum would have been the quarterbacks in the <laughs> NFC Championship game, you'd be a really rich person today. Yeah, Tom Brady uh, seems to be out of place with the Final Four quarterback. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> oh, my God. But it's Brady, incredible. again, is the question, right? Because well, how about he's, the soap opera there? <laughs> it's, it's New England. It's, that's the Patriots' it's way, isn't it? It's New England. Every year during this time of year, whether it's the the foot the deflagate, yeah. it, it's something about the New England Patriots that they know that if something comes up, they just push it aside. Guys, you can talk all you want. We'll show up on Sunday afternoon. We're going to kick your ass. Apparently, apparently what we have found out is he, he cut his hand, handing off the football on the first day of practice this week. And he needed stitches on the thumb, right where the, the thumb joins the hand. Which can be problematic for a quarterback when you're trying to throw the football. Yeah. So he's had the glove on. Which adds to the intrigue. They wouldn't tell anybody if he took any snaps. The funniest thing was watching the players at the news conferences. So, did he uh, did he take any snaps today? And to a man, the player would say, well, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> well, you don't have to be a doctor to know if the guy was on the field or not. But he, they, comes, uh, he comes into the press conference with gloves, gloves on. on. Yeah. But how do you get stitches taking a handoff? He, he, he must have cut it on on equipment or like a, something on the running back. I don't know. Like when you take the snap and you hand it off, like are you catching somebody's belt he, or something? He, he would have cut shoulder pads or something, right? The bottom of the shoulder pad, a little bit of plastic, and it cut him. It's it's like, odd. Like, it, it's you know it's again, really odd. It's, it's uh, for me, it's a slow pop right now, and I just love it because everybody's biting into it, and you got now you got Jacksonville on the other side. Or, They've never been there before. They got no clue, and they're preparing for Brady. Oh, I, I bet you they're they preparing, preparing for Brady. For and well, I, from what I hear, I'm, I'm, they're, they're, they're going to give him a, a big uh, tasting. But again, we'll see. Well, before we get to that, now that we've opened up this sort of can of worms on the you know <laughs> surrounding New England Patriots and everybody's hated team, I mean, because I think a little bit of the arrogance they carry or the air about them is is, is just makes people a little bit angry, but. Is this team, and here's, here's an open question. Maybe I'll leave this one with you, Mike. Uh, okay. Is this team really this good, or is the rest of the league just that bad? They have the best coach in the history of the sport. They have the best quarterback in the history of the sport. They have the best tight end in the history of the sport. Um, they are more prepared than any other team in a league that stresses preparation. I don't know what it is about Belichick behind closed doors. Um, 
everybody I've talked to who has played for them loves the preparation of Bill Belichick because they know. Think about that game against Seattle a couple of years ago with the interception of the goal mm-hmm. line. Malcolm Butler knew that was coming because they had practiced against that formation in that spot of the field during the Super Bowl week. I wish I'd known it. that because I was going to win a football square proof with a lot of money <laughs> to time. I had Seattle, so I would have killed but me the, then. But that's, that's the Patriot way, quote-unquote. It's preparation. It's attention to detail. And you've got two of the, of the best people in the sports history at the most important positions, head coach and quarterback, who see the game the same way. And it just goes to show you that they don't have to draft really, really well They've never drafted a running back in the first round. They've never drafted a quarterback in the first round. All they go is for interior linemen, and they pick up players from other teams that fit the New England style, knowing that if we bring them in, Harrison is one perfect example, Mm -hmm. that they're going to fit whatever we can we're going to teach them how to do things. And, and you couldn't have said it any better. They are probably the most prepared and well-prepared football team out there. That's why they win. Randy Moss aside, name a great wide receiver he's had. Yeah. I, I, Danny I, Amendola? Like, no. come on, seriously. Randy Moss was in his twilight. He, yes, his but career. he was still yeah. there. Yeah. You didn't get Randy great, Moss in yeah. his prime. And Tom Brady has still won championship after championship after championship. He is so damn accurate with the football, it's frightening. No, Mike, they have Argo tied to this game, Jacksonville. Their coaches. Yeah, Scott great. Milanovich is down there. Yeah. He's, uh, he's the quarterback's coach and uh, has done a decent job uh, with Blake Bortles, who is not Tom Brady by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> no kidding. Um, the game against Buffalo two weeks ago was one of the worst performances I've seen in a playoff game by a quarterback, and he still got it done. He ended up with more rushing yards than passing yards. That's that's unbelievable. But when you look at what, what, what Bortles does... Um, they broke it down nicely on NFL Network this week where they looked at his progressions where there was one play against Pittsburgh last week where he started at the right and in two seconds was able to check down to his fifth receiver. So the coaching staff has put him in a, in a pretty good spot where he now knows what he's supposed to do. Now it's just going out and executing it. And against Buffalo, he was terrible. Just awful. Like 15-yard throws, 5-yard throws, and he was missing receivers by 4 feet. I remember that play. That was T.J. Yeldon. Oh, it was just unbelievable. Yeah, terrible. Yeah. Like how how do you do that at the NFL level where you're you, it's a it's a throw you make in your sleep. Well, again, that comes back to the point I'm making. Uh, well, you know, is New England really this good, or is the rest of the league just that bad? Uh, sure. I think it's a combination but, of both. But 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 also at the same time, don't forget that the that this league is set up for parity, right? I mean, you, they have a draft, they have a salary cap. And New England has constantly been able to do this. I think this is, it, it, I think half of Brady's seasons in the NFL, he's gotten to the AFC Championship game. That's incredible. But for a league of parity, how come there's so many teams that are out of it every year for the almost big poor management? They, they don't have they don't have the Patriots front office. You, you look at you look at Cleveland. They hire a baseball analytics guy to come in and be in their front office. How does that work? I mean, if you think about it. And you want to do the bigger picture stuff in the NFL. There's 110 Division One football schools. Yeah. Okay. So of that, you've got there what two, three, four deep at every position. Mm-hmm. So there's your player pool to draft from almost basically every year. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, outside of the quarterback and the offensive line and some defensive players, the rest of the players are a dime a dozen. 
So the way you look at it is, again, you come back to good management. But can the rest of the league be this weak? And that's what I always just... I just, just think the Patriots are that much better than everybody else. And and again, you have... One is stability. Well, being a Bills fan, I guess that's what, that's where my well, you, uh, pain is coming you in. You see it firsthand uh, twice a year. I see, yes, I do. And, and does anything, and too. Does anything yeah. ever surprise you guys about the Patriots when no, the Bills play them? Anything. Well, the Bills are usually could be leading at halftime, and then where you see the real genius of Bill Belichick come in, halftime he adjusts, yeah. and then they blow them up in the second half. Absolutely. That's that's the Patriot way. They have great coaches and great players. The one thing they do is when they, they, they suffered the loss to Kansas City opening game, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They turned it around, and their their defense was horrible. It's going to be bad this year. He's going to give up all sorts of points. You know, New England's defense is is probably ranked number one after that game. They're fantastic. I mean, they're fantastic, and it's mostly scheme. Like how many how many players on that defense are going to the Hall of Fame? None. So I, none. I Who found Stephon oh, Gilmore a very frustrating player when he, he was with Buffalo. Look at him now. He's yeah. making play after play after play. Patrick Chung was with, with the, the Eagles. He was terrible. He goes back to New England, and he's good again. It's it's really bizarre to see what 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 they do with players on that uh, on that roster. So quickly, let's go around the table. And who do you like today, Naz, in both games? I like New England and uh, Philadelphia. You better say that, <laughs> Louis. I'm the same way. I, I like New England. I think they're they're going to come through. Uh, it's not going to be as wide open as uh, as last week's game with Pittsburgh and in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm going to see that uh, Philadelphia is going to come over in a squeaker over Minneapolis or Minnesota. I don't see the NFC game being a blowout either way, but I'll, 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 I'll let the head dictate this one and say home field is worth at least a field goal difference, and I'll take Philly in a close game. Um, I don't know which Jacksonville team shows up today. If they're the team that plays against Buffalo, they'll lose by 30 points. If they're the team that plays last, played last week and put up 45 on Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh with Blake Bortles, uh, they could win the game, and their defense will be a lot better. Mike, is weather going to be a factor in either game? No. It's going to be it's it's going to be warm, uh, warmer than it should be at this time of year. So, even though I'd love to see New England lose, I'm going to have to go with them because they yeah. get the the genius we've talked yeah. about. And in the Philly game, it just seems to be their year. I mean, they lose their number one starting quarterback, they still continue to win. It and their left like, tackle, and their starting linebacker, and uh, their their best running back. The cards are lined up for yeah. them. I hope so. The Super Bowl to me looks like New England and Philly. I just have a feeling. You know, when Buffalo played the Giants back in the Super Bowl, which one? Oh, the one that, wide, wide, very wide right. right uh, yeah, wide, very right. I, I that's what I see because their quarterback went down too. Bill uh, Sims, Phil Sims went yeah. down at that time. Jeff Hosteller came in yeah, and, and did really that. well. I see that. I hope you're right. Well, but that was yeah, if you go back to that, that was the coaching of Bill Parcells who kept the ball away from the Bills. And remember, the Bills almost scored every time they had the ball, but they never mm-hmm. got it. So again, there's the genius of preparing. Yeah. The only the only thing that uh, Jacksonville has going for him is Tom Coughlin handles uh, New England pretty well. Eh? Yeah. If there's any anybody, he's yeah. he's in the front office there. He's the VP of Football Ops, I believe, is the title. Um, you know that Doug Marone has picked his brain a lot on how, on how he beat the Patriots. And, and I'll bet you that Doug Marone or uh, Tom Coughlin has told him, "Listen, you're going to do this the New York Giant way. You're going to run the ball until he falls off the face of the earth." Because I would. With with Fournette in, in Jacksonville, uh, they're going to run the ball first, and then it's going to lead him to, to passing. He's more or less he's he's put his, his stamp on that organization around, even though he's only been in there one year. Oh, and I, I assume they're going to run a spy as well against Bortles. They'll run. A, they'll have a linebacker follow him around just to make sure. Okay, if you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us with his yeah. arm, not his legs. Well, so guys, we'll watch with interest today. So it seems the consensus seems to be that uh, Philadelphia and New England will be in the yeah. Super Bowl. And while we're talking about championship teams, let's get to our beloved Blue Jays. 
What can we say about the Jays? Uh, they've made some moves. Uh, let's start off. Naz, you know, I've got some opinions I like to voice on, on our beloved team, but what do you think of what they've done over the winter? I don't think they've done very much. They're going to be in deep trouble when it comes to the, comes to the season. And uh, they need all their guys healthy, and all those guys are injury-prone that uh, are coming back to Lewitsky and uh, uh, the other two guys there. Uh, they, they're, they're injury-prone, and uh, I don't see them going very far. Hopefully Sanchez is okay. Like I mean, uh, he's the guy on the Jays that I enjoy watching the most. And to to watch him go through what he did with the blister problem last year, he did everything that the doctors told him uh, to do, and it was still problematic. And we all remember him coming back and it just not working out mm-hmm. again. I love watching that kid pitch, and I hope he's uh, I hope he's one hundred percent this year. That's that's a big part of that. If if he and Stroman are healthy, they can be competitive. Um, if Estrada and Hap are decent, they can be competitive. But if uh, if they don't get anything out of those guys, it's going to be a long year. Louis? I think so. it's going to be a long year for the Blue Jays. Uh, they've, they've tinkered with their outfield. Uh, they really haven't gone after the big free agent that they've needed. They still haven't got the big bat. And again, age is going to be against them. Uh, it showed last year with Batista and Tulewitzki playing on turf. Is Donaldson going to survive 162 games? Uh, what is it going to get Russell? traded? Huh? Is it going to get traded? Well, I, I, it all depends on what they're going to do in the first three or four months. Uh, if, if more or less, if they're in contention, he's not going to get traded. But if mm-hmm. they're out by by that deadline, I think they're going to try to move him. And is Russell Martin going to play more than 120 games? Uh, age is really against these guys. Yeah. Uh, I know they got a uh, a great pitching staff. I just don't think that there it's going to be enough for them to to jump over uh, either Boston or New York. Well, you think I mean they've put themselves a little bit behind by behind the eight ball with management some of the moves they've made over the winter or just or not made and where they've seemed to be focusing on internal like back office people and stuff like rather than the ball club where you have a problem at catcher you have a problem. Well, we don't have a problem in the infield anymore. I think if anybody needs a shortstop, we probably have eight of them, I think, now. And, of course, left and three, right field. Three DHs. Oh, yeah. Left and right field, they, you know, they're, they're experimental, uh-huh. as you said, Lou. Granderson and, and Grichuk, that's not the answer? Uh, you know, we we do need some help in middle relief. And, mm-hmm. you know, you got to hope that Asuna, you know, overcomes some of his problems and can come back and be the pitcher that he thinks. So there's a lot of question marks for this ball club. And, you know, the, the smart move from a team standpoint would be to move Donaldson and build mm-hmm. the arm because, you know, they've got a big hill to climb. But from a business standpoint, as you and Hoagie and I were talking about yeah. before the before we came on the air, they can't do that because he's become the face of the team. This is this is a really difficult decision because, as you mentioned, it, it, the last thing they can do is let him walk away at the end of the season for, for nothing. nothing. It's, it sets back your franchise with a player like that so much. From a baseball perspective, you trade him. Right, I think we can all agree on. So you don't let him walk away. From a business perspective, though, if you lose Bautista, fan favorite, and you lose Donaldson in the same year, the fan, the the not the diehards, not the guys like you, Mike, that are down there every day, but the but the but the fans that are fickle, that are going to watch you, you know, win or win, um, you're going to lose them. And they have done such a remarkable job on the marketing aspect of this team from five years ago to now. Walk downtown Toronto, walk downtown Vancouver, walk downtown Montreal or Ottawa, and I defy you to not see some sort of Jays merchandise within a five-minute span. They're everywhere. Well, the other thing, too, is you look at Donaldson. I mean, outside of Robbie Alomar, he's probably the most talented blue jay ever to wear that uniform. Mm -hmm. And this guy not only has the ability, he's got the hockey player mentality that just (laughs) endears himself to this fan base. Sure. So, I mean, it is a real risk they're playing with this player. You've got to sign him long-term or you've got to move him. One or the other. What do you do if they're not a 
contention come July, and Donaldson's not having a Donaldson type year, which means they're not going to get full value for him. I, I, you still you can't let him walk away. You can't if you can't get his name on a five year contract, and I'm, I'm sure he's going to hold up for seven anyway. So, so you're looking at five at uh, at 125 to 130 million dollars a year. They can afford it. Uh, total. They can afford it, whether or not they want to oh, spend sure they it can or not. It. You're right, but then they got no pieces to build around him. <laughs> that, that's but, why you said it's such a big decision. They really don't have the farm no, system. They have a couple of young guys in the uh, miners yeah. that are very Bich- well Bichette, Guerrero yeah, are supposed to be, be the guys. 40, four years, 33 or 34 years old when he comes up. And if playing on turf is going to be, it, it's detrimental to your body. Mm-hmm. And, and really, if this is an inj- if this is a year that he's getting injured, this is the second year in a row. What's what's to say that what's going to happen three or four years down the road, and you're, they're going to pay him this kind of money? So if you, and if, even though Vladdy and, and thing are on the way up. If you're leaning that way, then move them now, if you can. If move them now. What, yeah, you, if you if, get prime, if that's, if that, yeah, if if you the, get prime uh, value for them, I'd say move them now. If the front office feels the same way you do, they have to convince the business operations side. They have to go upstairs and say, we have to make this move. And I don't think the front office wants to do that, at least the business office, because yeah, he they're is not such ready a for that. Piece. Going back to the marketing, I was down in Wrigley Field last year, mm-hmm. watched the Blue Jays lose those three games. And there were almost 10,000 people, 10,000 Blue Jay fans in Chicago. It's amazing how it's well incredible. Toronto fans travel. Yeah. Whether you watch a Raptor game, whether you watch a Jays game, whether you watch a Leaf game, it's amazing well, we how do, well they travel. We TLC. do live in the fourth largest city in North America. Still. So, I mean, there's a fan base here. Still. I mean, uh, on a, in, in Kansas City on a Tuesday night, there'll be 5,000 Blue Jays fans down there, which makes no sense to me at all. But... God love them. I think it's fantastic. Well, you look at the Minnesota games. I think there's yeah. more. You look, there's more Blue Jay fans. Seattle, Seattle, Seattle. Right? Seattle. And Seattle, Seattle is a home game. It's yeah. amazing. And they put those those seats aside for them because they know they're not going to get that many people yeah. there. Absolutely, it's unbelievable. Well, so I think we can agree. Outside of some problems we're going to have, hopefully we get surprises this year from the Jays. But the the one winner in this whole equation is going to be number twenty himself because he's going to win no matter what happens if he has any kind of a Donaldson type year. I'm not sh- so sure about that. I'll tell you what. I think the contracts. The players aren't signing big contracts lately. They're, they're, who, who signed this? Well, are you going to say collusion, Naz? Is that what you're going to say? He got yeah, baseball's been through that before. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess next year we'll really find out when Bryce Harper and Machado go on the market. Yeah, yeah. and Donaldson. They're, they're going to set the precedent for who's going to make, because they're going to ask for anywhere from 30 to $40 million a year. Uh, Donaldson's probably going to ask for, depending on the year that he has, uh, according to Machado, because they're both uh, infielders, and, and the Yankees and, and will get is the other kid. Of course, not. What's he going to make? You know, you might as well open up the Briggs truck. Okay, take what you want. Sure. Well, okay. Well, that's it. That's uh, going to be a very debatable subject, and of course, the Jays are going to be in the news all year, and they're going to be a very topical discussion throughout most of the watering holes throughout the country. I would say throughout the year. But just another topic I'd like to touch on uh, over the next minute or two is there is a honoring this week in philadelphia a guy wearing number uh, double eights yeah i just like i I actually i'm going to voice my opinion on that first i guess uh my thought was yeah he was a generational player he was very tough to play against so you can attest to that and i think that uh you know uh, you know is it deserving if he'd played a full career yes and he did some great things but there just seemed to be a stench to that whole affair Mm -hmm. that weighed on me number one the guy who drafted him wasn't there yeah the owner wasn't there. Mm-hmm. None of the Hall of Fame guys were there. Mm-hmm. I mean, they set him up in the middle of the ice and lifted the curtain because I don't think there's anybody else there to stand around him. <laughs> it, it just had that bad feel to it. I, 
he was such a great player, though. And, no you know, question. I guess a comparable because of the length of careers, Cam Neely, right? I mean, they were both tremendous players who played so physically. Um, Lindros, when he was at his best, was, was the, the best, best no power question. forward. No question. Period. Not debatable. Uh, he was just he was just so damn strong um, and so talented and so fast. He had everything. So Philadelphia fans loved him because he was their kind of guy, right? I mean, he was hard-nosed and had talent and took them to a Stanley Cup final. Um, he deserved to be honored. I don't think there's any question. It is sad that Clark couldn't show up, though. I, I really think he deserved it. Uh I didn't get a chance to play against him. I got a chance to skate with him in, in the summer, so I knew how big and strong he was. But, but the element of game that he brought, the skill level at that size with that physicality, uh, if he played in this era right now... Oh, uh, yeah, we were it, talking it, about that it, the other day. It, how it would he be? Like, yeah. I don't know incredible. what kind of numbers, because you, you can't touch him. Mm-hmm. You can't touch him and you can't stop him. And it, it can't headhunt. Well, uh, think about it. He's the first big guy that didn't care how big you were in front. He'd run you through the boards if you were five foot eighty or six foot. Mm-hmm. And big guys didn't play like that. No, they didn't. And well, he Cam Neely is the only speak. guy that uh, that mm-hmm. I that I, I can remember uh, that went in a straight line. He says, "If you're in the way, I'm knocking you right through." You know, it's it's just one of those things. Uh, but it's unfortunate that Bobby Clark, obviously Snyder, couldn't have been there. No, uh, Snyder, yeah. but right because of his passing. Yeah, one but of the uh, it, it's just, I guess. They did it the Eric Lindros way. I know they, his wife and Paul Grom, Holgram really had to reach out to, to Eric to get him there. and mm-hmm. uh, They did it the way that Eric wanted it. He didn't want anything special. And I, I still say to this day that he didn't, he didn't like the attention of being in the number one center. He loved being a yeah. number two center, knowing that he didn't have to go through all the crap that you have to go through with the media. Yeah, yeah, I think he deserved it, too. And uh, we were talking about him playing in today's era. He'd be incredible. He'd, yeah. be, he'd be the best player on the ice. He wouldn't have to face Scott Stevens all the time. Yeah. And there was that element, right? I mean, that's that's how you took a guy like that out. You went after his head. <laughs> and it worked. It worked for, you know, Stevens was a great player, but, you know, sadly, that's what he's remembered for as much as, as you know, Lindros. That was one of the things they celebrated on the broadcast the other night. Well, how do you celebrate that on the, on the night a guy gets his Uniform number retired. And it's funny because Scott Stevens retired because of uh, concussion yeah. problems too. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> We're running into that train. Oh, that's well, cool. <laughs> those I those two. Do, I had to each do that for four you years. You played with him. You played with him. I never got on his wrong side, or I knew that he was in a good mood. Because if he was in a bad mood coming to practice that next day, I'm keeping my head up, going across the middle. <laughs> well, if it, it, what could have been for us Leaf fans? Because back in the Pat Quinn days, remember the he was actually traded here, and then it was pulled by Bobby Clark in yeah, the last they want, second. Remember they that? wanted Caberle. Uh, I'm not mistaken. He could have been a Leaf. He was. Because, it, the deal because was done. they could have drafted him instead of uh, Gary Nyland. I, I'm not sure. No, no, he, I'm he, not went, sure no. he went first overall. That was the Niedermeyer. That was the year of the Niedermeyer, Niedermeyer. draft. Ooh. Uh, I'm talking about Stevens and Oh, Stevens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I yeah. thought you meant Lindros. No, well, okay. Lindros would have been here if we hadn't traded his first-round pick for Turvers the year before mm. and thinking that we weren't going to end up in, yeah. in last place, right? So, guys, I think we're getting close to the end here, and we're going to have a wrap-up in a second. But my, my one promise that I had was before I came is to, to, to give a plug for a couple of things we do. Deb and I do a lot of charity events at our place uh, under the Ultimately Fan banner. And a couple coming up, January 31st for Wayne Dillon. He used to play in the NHL and was the first sure. underage son in WHA. Yep. His grandson has cerebral palsy, needed a life-changing surgery in St. Louis that cost $140,000. We're having an event uh, to raise some money to help the family out. Uh, there's going to be a number of NHL players showing up. 
up. We have a great night. We have sponsorship coming from Sleeman's, from Mark Tuit, nice. who's doing the food. Um, you know, we do have, um, you know, people like, uh, I, I don't want to throw out names, but people like, you know, Larry Tannenbaum have supported us. Uh, Jeff Beatty, who is on the board. My buddy Mike Wackerly from Dragon's Den is supporting it. So hopefully we can have some of these guys show up. And uh, they are going to. And the next night, uh, we do have an event for Ronald McDonald House with the Markham Men's Hockey Association. Now, you can, it's sold out, but we have a trip offered to Sweden and Finland to play hockey that's worth 3700 bucks. So for $100, you can buy a ticket and be in the draw. Wow. only selling 150 So we have a bunch of guys coming down from Markham to do that. That's being sponsored by my favorite bar in the city, the Duchess. <laughs> and we've got a bunch of guys coming down. If you want to reach us for any one of those events, reach out to us at ultimateleastfan.com. Beautiful. Naz, do you want to wrap us up here? Yeah, thanks for coming in, Mike and Mike. My pleasure. Mike and Lou. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Great, guys. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.